The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another episode of the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And I have Trent McIntyre on the show today. For two decades, Trent has been helping people get their mobility back. But what makes his situation more unique is that Trent was born with cerebral palsy, and he uses his struggles and experience to help others. So we have a lot of stuff to unpack today, like his struggles with cerebral palsy, how he uses it to help others, and a whole lot more. And of course, we have a hack of the episode for you, right? What are some things we can start doing today? even at home, to improve mobility. And of course, you know, we really got to really think about that because with today's age, a lot of us have desk jobs. We don't move around, move around a lot. And we don't realize how it really impacts our health. So I love that Trent is going to give us a guideline. And with that being said, let's welcome Trent to the show. Hey, my man, how you doing today? Hi, Zico. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, my friend. I can't wait to really record this episode. You have a lot of golden nuggets to, let, to give my audience. And with that being said, let's get this puppy started, right? So how being born with cerebral palsy and having difficult reading develop into helping thousands of people with neurological conditions to improve their quality of life? Man, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and it's really been an entire lifetime and career of of doing that. So it wasn't something that I I set out to create. It just developed because I actually didn't know that I had cerebral palsy until I was 19. And finding out that late, it made a lot of sense that all the pain and restrictions that I had in my body growing up were for a reason. It's because, you know, basically, for those that don't know, if you have cerebral palsy, it's basically a head injury at birth. And I had had a mild head injury, but a head injury nonetheless. And what that does is it really limits uh, your, your range of motion and your ability in your body because the part of your brain you need to do certain things is healing and you adapt and you compensate. And you move, you move on, but um, in, I'm certainly no longer injured. I certainly no longer have, um, it's not degenerative. It does not going to continue to get worse. Um, but it's something that impacted how I felt in my body. And so I know when someone comes to me and they have a neurological condition and it's impacting how they feel in their body, I can relate to having no control over something and, and being able to know what that feels like. So to meet them where they're at and to really hold space for them in that situation. But on top of that, I, I really struggled with reading. And, you know, growing up, the, the solution for when you were bad at something, quote, bad at something, was to give you more of that thing. Well, the thing is, is that 
it wasn't that I was bad at reading. It's that I had really weak eyes. And so the, the, the correlation between the cerebral palsy and being able to read is that my eyes had very limited range of motion. They were weak. They didn't work well together. And a lot of people don't even realize how important the eyes are to informing how your body moves. And so I, you know, I, I listened to audiobooks for many years and it would call that reading. And it wasn't until I was in my thirties that I could read a book without falling asleep one sentence in. And so that all of those experiences really informed how I show up and my commitment to helping someone else who's struggling with mobility and balance and, you know, various neurological issues. That's a lot to unpack right there, because yeah. I mean, especially when you're talking about the reading, which I didn't even mention in, in my intro, right? Because I've seen this a lot in society where if someone struggles with something, we just kind of push it aside and say, okay, they're just bad at that. So if you struggle with reading, we're like, oh, you're just bad at reading or, you know, so on and so forth. But you, you can kind of like see behind the curtain, right, of what may be happening um, with that person. So then at what point did you decide to say, you know what, I, I, I'm diagnosed, as he, as he said, at age 19, and you have the experiences. At what point did you say, I'm going to start to use it and help other people who are having the same experiences? Well, I, I was in college and I was actually, um, I was um, assisting a professor with a kinesiology class and actually a Pilates course. And I decided that um, since I didn't have resources to go and hire someone to help me that I would do what I can and experiment to rehab my own limitations. Cause I had so much pain and, and weakness and, and stiffness in my lower legs, especially. And so I was able to, through a lot of trials, problem solve my own situation. And for, for a while, it was just for me, just to keep myself mobile and pain-free. And then, you know, I, I, I got a job um, at a Pilates studio and they said, they want, they want me to teach Pilates. And I said, well, that's great. But I also do this other thing. So as long as I can do this other thing that I call the McIntyre method, then I'm golden if you let me do that. And so they said, yes. And so then I had clients to really try to see if the things that were helping me would help other people. And when they did, and they did in really big ways and really surprising ways for all kinds of conditions, whether it was someone with a stroke or Parkinson's or MS or you name it, it was like, wow, this thing that applied to me isn't just for my situation. It's for everybody that has a brain and a neurological system. And so the principles apply to everybody. So it was really that the discovery that it could help other people. It wasn't even an intention like, oh, I can, I can help people. It was just like, this does help people. Now I can make the choice to lean into that to see what I can discover and how far we can take it. So at this point, do you only work with individuals who have had cerebral palsy or just people who have uh, movement deficiencies? Yeah, not not at all restricted to one one category. Um, you know, right now my clients range from having MS, um, being in their in their upper eighties and having balance and uh, mobility issues and cognitive issues, uh, Parkinson's clients. Uh, you you really you name it, and it really comes down to um, applying like essential sensory training, which means the eyes have to be exercised. You have to exercise your eyes. And that's, that's really where, like, when, when I could, when I learned how to read, <laughs> you know, it was really about getting strong enough eyes to be able to track the words on the page. And I find that with all of my clients, no matter what their diagnosis, 
that we can optimize their ability to move their body by exercising their eyes. And it's amazing in just a few minutes what eye exercises can do in terms of the range of motion in their hips and how well they breathe and how they feel on their feet and how their balance improves. And it's, it's just, it's, it's something that's so left out of our exercise systems. We don't think of exercising our eyes. Um, we can't look at our own eyes when we're exercising unless you're looking in the mirror, but you're not really assessing your eyes. Like you could maybe assess muscles you can see. Um, and so it's hard to, it's hard to, hard to realize that they're so important, but they're our number one sense. That's what our brain listens to the most. And so it's, it stands the reason why they're so important. Ah, so then you eventually developed the brain speedball, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how tie that into how does it help individuals who have neurological issues? Yeah. So I, I've got to tell you a story of how I actually learned how to read because that's where the brain speed ball grew out of, if you don't mind, because <clears> I think it's really important to know that um, this didn't happen to me overnight. This is something that I've spent years developing. And I realized um, I was, I was gone, going to a conference in California and I was telling a client of mine, I was reading a book series, you know, like I said, it was an audio book series, but I said, I was reading the book series and, and I said, well, I got to get the next book in the series um, for my trip. And so the next time she came in, she brought me a copy of the book. And I was like, oh no, now I have to make sure I download the audiobook, listen to the audiobook, and then report back to her. I felt all this like shame that I don't actually read the book. I just listened to the book. And so I took the book and I was grateful and I, I did my trip. But when I was in California, I, I uh, worked with a vision therapist and did a few eye exercises. And when I got back to my booth, I could read like I've never read in my life. It was just a few minutes of doing eye exercises. And I was like, wait a minute, there's something to this. And then my, my back didn't hurt. My rib cage is looser. I was breathing easier. I thought this is really incredible. And as I did research into this, this eye therapy or vision therapy, I realized that like most of the things you do aren't very fun. And um, people don't do their homework when it's not fun. <laughs> and I wanted to make it fun. And so I set out on a, on a mission to take eye exercises and make them fun. And so that's really where the brain speed ball came in because I'm not the first person to invent a ball and put something on it, but it is the game you play with the ball that is so powerful. It is using your eyes with the game and using cognitive recall with the game that makes it so powerful. And so like if you and I were playing as you go, I, you know, like here's the ball, it's just, it's an orange ball for those people listening and it has A through Z and one through 12 printed on it. So if you and I were playing a game of brain speed ball, we'd throw it back and forth. And when you catch the ball, you're watching it come into your hands. So your eyes are tracking it. So you get that eye movement. And then you are going to say what you see on the ball. So if I cut the ball and I saw the letter A, I would say out loud, A. I'd throw it to you, you'd catch it, you'd watch it come into your hands and then tell me the letter or number that you see. And what's happening is twofold. You're doing eye exercises. So your eyes are going in different ranges of motion. They're working together. You're working on eye coordination. But you're also tapping into how our brains normally process information. Because we take in information through our senses. In this case, we're using the eyes primarily. We're deciding what to do about it. And then we act on it by saying it out loud. And that sense, decide, act cycle is really how we get our brains to function at a more efficient and faster, not in a hyper way, but in a better processing way. And so for someone that has mobility issues or balance issues, the eyes play a key role in how well we move our body. So with a simple three to five minute game, we can open up mobility in really big ways. So is it this is this speedball the only uh, tool that you use in your training? 
Uh, it's not, but it's the one that's the most fun. <laughs> it's the one that is the most popular. Um, I, with my clients and I'm working one-on-one, I have a series of charts that I've developed that brings in more vestibular training. So that inner ear and that balance training. Um, but we really try to apply all of those training exercises to the ball because we get the most compliance. Like people want to have one at home and they want to practice at home. They play with their spouses. In fact, I had a, a client that's had a brain speed ball for years who just came in the other day and was like, oh, I, I got the brain speed ball out for my husband. And I said, oh, what's going on? He said, well, he had a heart episode and had to be put under um, pretty high anesthesia in the hospital. And he's having some cognitive issues. So I got the ball out to help him. And it was just music, music to my ears because for someone to feel like they have a resource in that situation, it's so easy. And, and someone who's not super fit, doesn't exercise regularly, and is having health issues to still have access to something and feel like they can take part in something that could help them is pretty amazing. So, yeah. So follow-up question, just a kind of a silly question, right? But at least, so I'm, I'm a bachelor, you know, I live at home. I don't have yeah. people to throw the ball to. So would you recommend, yeah. let's say I were to buy the ball and maybe throw it to myself? Up in the oh yeah, for sure. Everybody? Yeah. I'll tell you what I do. I, I actually sit with my eyes closed and when I hear the ball hit the wall, then I open my eyes. So then I find it and can track it. And that can keep it fresh. So you, you can't, if you're by yourself, you can kind of assume where the ball is going because you threw it, right? You, it's hard to trick yourself. <laughs> and that way it makes it fun. You just have to listen for the sound and then you open your eyes and then you can still play the game. Yeah. No, I have I'm one not, on each of my desks for sure. I'm not the, uh, I guess you say the brightest bulb on the tree. So maybe easier to trick me than you actually think. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love this. I've never really thought, I know the connection between our vision and our balance, but the way you put it together, I've never really thought about it that way. So thank you so much for presenting that to my audience. And with that being sure. said, you know, like, Time flies when you're having fun. We're already in the middle in the middle of the episode. Imagine that, right? So I got to tell you about one of my favorite company, which is Heal. See, Heal is a hundred science-backed essential amino acid formulation designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair by helping you maintain a healthy inflammatory response. Now, that's very important. Because lowering information or training your body to respond to information is so important for muscle repair, of course, but also for your health, because we can't avoid information. When you train, you create information. When you eat certain foods, you create information. Our bodies are designed to respond to information, but the things that you do to your body can help your body to better respond to information. That's one of the reasons why I absolutely love Heal. I'm actually drinking it right now. And I drink it once or twice a day, depending on the day. And it has a, a combination of essential amino acids, which of course is break, broken down from protein, creatine, and whey protein concentrate. And it, when I drink it as my intro workout, it helps me on my longer longer workouts to power through my workouts. And then throughout the day, sometimes I'll drink it in the evening to, give, to, to feed my muscles even more as it needs it. So check out Heal is a fantastic product. You see, one of the things I like, the net balance um, between the whole, ba- whole protein synthesis and breakdown were measured, and the response to heal was found to be at least three times larger than whey protein on a gram-to-gram basis. Think about that, like three times larger than whey protein on a gram-to-gram basis because a particular formulation of heal, the, 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 the proprietary mixture from the amino co makes it 
such a fantastic product. And I absolutely love it. So of course, the website is aminoco.com says Zico Health. You got use the code Zico Health. It gives you 30% off heal and also perform, which is another pre-workout that I that I use it as a pre-workout as well. And of the link will be in the description of the episode. And with that being said, enough of my voice. We're back to the next question, right? So talking about everything and talking about um movement, you have a particular term called the movement gap. Tell my audience about that. Yeah, the movement gap is a, a term that I coined when I realized how many people have finished their therapy. They finished whether it's physical therapy, occupational, vision, whatever it might be, but they're not really recovered. They're not back to going to the gym or doing their walk or whatever exercise or even daily activities that they would normally be used to doing. But they're all done with their therapies. They're all done with like recovering, but they're not. And and they fall into this gap. And that gap becomes a slippery slope for them. And, it, and they tend to lose more and more abilities because they they really don't have what they need. And what I found is that when you can identify that for people and you can you put a name on it, they're like, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. I finished physical therapy three weeks ago and you know, I still am tight here and I'm still weak there. And I'm not bad enough to go back to PT, but I'm not good enough to go for a walk either, you know, and they fall into this gap. And so it's it's my goal to help empower them and give them the tools to bridge that gap so they can get back to the activities and the life they want to lead. So the movement gap is not just for someone who may, um, let's say, have cerebral palsy or maybe MS or something like that. Anyone that has movement issues or balance issues could fall within that gap, right? Yeah. Yeah, they all do. There's millions of people that fall into the gap for sure. Because I've had clients that have come out of PT and um, I work with them and I, of course, I realized that, you know, they, they're, like you said, they're not bad enough to go back to PT, but they're, they, they still, they, they're still not really there. And I try to, and it takes me a long time to get them, the muscles back to where it's supposed to be. And then the balance and so on and so forth. I'm going to look more into the speed ball as well and see how I can maybe even incorporate that into my training, because I do, I know I have clients who definitely can benefit from that. Yeah. And I, and I would recommend if you're going to put it into your training that you, you run a little bit of a before and after experiment. It's really easy, but you just have your have your client do something that they would normally do, whatever exercise that is, whatever equipment you have them use, and then play three or five minutes of brain speed ball, and then repeat the same movement. And they can measure how it feels, and and you can see how it looks, and talk about what you notice in terms of their mechanics and their ease and their mobility and their balance. And then it helps to reinforce the, the needle that you're moving because you move, the, you move the needle pretty fast when you start exercising your eyes. But I like to put clients in a situation where they can feel a before and after. And then you can talk about it because that awareness helps to reinforce keeping that pattern. So this question I wasn't really planning to ask because you know I like to throw your curveballs, right? So I have another <laughs> one that's off the top of my head because I'm talking about train, like say training a client now, right? So would you, would you think that, and if you don't know the answer, that's perfectly fine, but using the speed ball and some of your techniques could help someone in their form and how they train when they're working out, like their movements in their movements within, within working out itself. Yeah. Because a lot of the mobility issues are because the eyes are weak and it's so weird to hear that sometimes because it's like, what are the. What really, what do the eyes have to do with my shoulder not having a better range of motion or having one arm that goes one, one high, the other arm goes higher. So when I'm lifting overhead, you know, I'm crooked. Well, the reality is that 
the better your eyes move, the better your whole body moves. And so if you're looking to improve form with any kind of weightlifting exercise, let's say, um, just take a squat. You're going to see the form improve. I've only seen form improve. And what also improves is endurance because you're, you're compensating less. So you're not wasting as much energy in the exercise on parts that don't matter. You're doing just what is called for the exercise. So you're more efficient. And so then you can do more and build better patterns that way. You just blew my mind. You literally <laughs> just blew my mind, man. Like, absolutely. I really have to get one and start to utilize it on myself as well and with my clients to do the tests as you're referring to, because it, you're right. You know a whole lot more about the topic than I do, obviously. So thank you for sharing all that. But you really just sure. gave me a lot to think about. And with that being said, we're on to the hack of the episode, what everybody been sticking around for, right? We're going to get some good tips from a man right here. So the question is, what are some things people can start doing even at home to improve mobility? And my brain tells me you're going to talk about the speedball a little bit too. Well, let's, let me have a, a two-part answer to that because listen, it'd be great if you had a brain speedball because that would be my go-to. That's what I put in my, all my clients' hands. But if you don't have a brain speedball, um, something that's really easy you can do even at your desk if you're working. And sometimes when you're at your desk working, you're in an office and you can't play a game. You know, if you're by yourself in an office, that's one thing. Or if you're in your home office, you can play a game against the wall and that works. But if you can't, what you can do is just take a pen um, or an eraser on a pencil and hold it in front of your head, you know, 10 or 12 inches away. And you're just going to follow with your eyes back and forth and up and down and in circles, kind of on a slow tempo. You don't want to go too fast in a slow tempo. And work on even diagonals, top right to bottom left or top left to bottom right. And whatever pathway you're picking, I would do, you know, a good six or eight in each direction before changing the pattern. And so that means if you're doing horizontal, you know, go back and forth six or eight times and just making sure you can keep your eyes planted on that eraser or pen tip the whole time. And that way you're going to exercise your eyes, especially for people that are on their computer all day and they're just looking forward and their peripheral vision gets really small, and their eyes get stuck, and their posture comes down. If you can take your eyes up and down, it helps to mobilize your spine, because what's really, really cool is that your spine will move more if your eyes can move more. So the second part to my, the hack for you is you can actually test this. Um, so I'll do it with you, and then people who are listening and watching can do it themselves. So just sitting comfortably there for a second, you're just going to take your eyes to your right. So look to your right. And then you're going to turn your spine and look as far to your right as you can. So eyes go right and then turn your head and turn your whole spine, like twist your back. Yep. Exactly. Good. Then come back. And we'll do that one more time. So then your eyes go right first. So take your eyes to the right Then take your whole body, turn to the right as far as you can, just so you can see what that feels like, how it feels in your neck, how it feels in your back and come back to center. Okay. Now take your eyes to your left but move to the right. So turn your head to the right and turn your spine. Nope. So other way, ha eyes left. Eyes left are this way, right? And then turn to left. the right. Uh -huh. And then turn my head to the right. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes to the left the whole time. Oh, I see what you're going for now. Okay. Yeah. And come back to center. Good. Try it again. Take your eyes to your left. So you're looking to your left real strong. Keep your eyes to the left and turn and try to look to the right side with your body. You see how hard that becomes? Yeah, extremely. 
Now come back to center. Let's make it feel good again. Take your eyes to your right and move to the right as far as you can again. To your right. Yeah. You see how when you're looking to the right, you can move further to the right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have weakness in your eyes, your spine will get tighter. You can't look very far to the right or you can't look very far to the left. Your spine gets tighter and tighter. If you can't look up very far, then your posture gets down. So a lot of times when we're looking at improving posture, we're looking at eye range of motion because your spine directly relates to that. Wow. that yeah. Those two are powerful. I'm sitting here like a monkey trying to figure out my right from my left. <laughs> I was like, hold on, wait a minute. This is my right arm, but this is my left. So am I turning to my left or am I turning to my right? <laughs> I got completely lost, but thank okay. you so much for that. That was absolutely banging. That was absolutely fantastic. That's a really good share. Thank God this is a video show. Hopefully too much of my nonsense wasn't there where I was trying to figure out my life. But uh, thank you, Trent, for all this good information. And with that being said, let my audience know, how can you learn more about your work? I'd invite you to go to my website. So fireupyourbrain.com. And you can see stories and look at the programs we have. We have online programs for people to help walk them through. Um, right now, we have a, a program for seniors, one for kids, one for athletes. And very soon, in just a couple of weeks, we'll have uh, five new programs. We have a program coming out for Parkinson's. We have a program for concussion recovery, athletic brain performance, ADHD rescue. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to share that information and share the stories and the people who are using the ball and what's happening in their life. Thanks so much for that, my friend. And with that being said, the show notes are going to be zikahealth.com slash movement gap. And of course, the website, followupyourbrain.com will be in the show notes because, you know, your boy tries to make it easy for you, right? And with that being said, Trent, thank you for being here. All this wonderful information. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we're out for today, fam. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.